Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly Klingen. That's me. And we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed the Washington president at Jazz Education Network and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. Beth, I think we should like reminisce. Let's reminisce for a sec because we have one of the old school homies on today. Okay, so um, this is one of our old school um, homies that helped us make it happen at Washington Middle School. Because let's get it clear from the get go, folks. Yes. Kelly and I don't know how to plug an XLR into a soundboard. I don't even know what those two words you just said mean. Yeah, see, that was like going way deep into my <laughs> fancy language. Right. Um, you know what? And it took me about 16 years to know that there are two speaker wire jacks mounted on the um, bleachers <laughs> in the little cavern where the sound person sets up at Washington Middle School in the gym. Right. It took me until like literally my last year there yep. to figure this out. Yes. Okay. It's, um, it, it was, it was this amazing thing that Beth and I had, you know, 60% of this massive school enrolled in our music department. And that music department did not have any performance venue within it. Not even a cafetorium. So right. we were in the gymnasium and the bleachers, I, I have like painful muscle memory in my butt from <laughs> in those bleachers. They are like a serious catastrophe and like probably a, an unsafe situation. And we would tr we had this problem of trying to make these kids who had worked their little buns off we wanted them to sound good in this booming gymnasium with rickety uh bleachers and so what you do is you hire somebody for that yeah there was no way kelly and i were gonna sit there and plug everything in for every like no way we didn't have time we had to set up chairs. We had to go like get all dressed up for our big concert in the gym, you know? Right. So, um, you know, Kelly gets the job at Washington and, and I was like, you know, here's something I've always wanted to do because pre Kelly, Bob Nat used to just have a parent. Right. Run the sound. Like, run the sound. Right. And I said to Kelly, I was like, look, can we try maybe hiring a pro? And Kelly was like, I know just the person. You yeah. had a buddy from I jazz band. Dodge because we were in the Rosa right. jazz band together and he was doing that thing for a living. Right. And he came and he did the first concert. Then after that, he was like, hey, I want, to, <laughs> yeah, I want to introduce you to my um my collaborator my colleague Nate Omdahl yes and from there it was Nate for every gig man yes right Mike yeah I, gig, I did a couple with Mike for sure and then he was like I think you got it and yeah. uh it was it, you know it was a good fit and you know um yeah shout out to Mike for for bringing this whole thing together yes. yeah and then the school would hire you for other gigs. Like they would book you for graduation, for the MLK assembly, for these things. Yeah. So it was, you know? it was, it was really great. 
while we're on the subject, thank you both for a really great job for many years. That was a big part of how we stitched the whole year together. Because when these holidays would come around, well, I know I'm going to have a good job for Kelly and Beth on mm-hmm. uh, Martin Luther King Day. I know they're going to yeah. have something at the end of the year. Got yeah. a Christmas concert, got a spring concert. And yeah. then I, I really do mean that like it helped a lot those years when you know right out of Cornish right out of college it's just like I'm not making any money so yeah it's really helpful it was help super helpful and it 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 was great because like uh give back kind of the environment that I came from the marching band school public school mm-hmm. music programs like yes. I know what's going on there you just kind of can just it's just like you're there there again as soon as you walk through the doors in a band room it's like oh yeah I remember that yeah. there's a smell to it the whole thing and then at washington middle school everything is coated with a fine dusting of flour right from the franz bakery which is right across like the alleyway and like the the cords that sit on the floor of the gym yeah they just get coated with that crap i can't be dealing with that in my heels okay (laughs) why would we do that we've got try to find the uh one um working uh bathroom in the little school after everyone's gone that might have some hot water coming on me because i'd pretty much have to bathe myself before (laughs) i get back to my car after like winding up all those cables because it was just like yeah Oh, get that flower paste. Those are billable hours, folks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all right. I think uh, I freaked out the uh, night crew a couple times because I'd be in like the boys' room and like stand there just like trying to just like wash the poop off my arms. Just like I'm, I'm just about out of here, guy. I promise, I'm just about out of here. This doesn't seem to be a student in this facility at this time. Yeah, was, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just finishing the sound. He's like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? You made those kids sound good in that gym. And that really matters to families. You know, they come all the way down, um, often have to leave work early, wrangle the whole family, try and get a seat in these horrifying bleachers. They would be standing room only at these concerts. It was redonk. And um, they would just sit for hours to hear their kid. So they boil them cabinets down. Yeah, for two songs. And it is important that that investment is honored the best we can by putting some mics on it, you know? (laughs) I guess that's like- Just try. That's like part one of this discussion we wanna have with Nate. Like music teachers, when we are allowed to go back to any type of live performance situation. And I know many of you are in many different phases of what that looks like. Some of you are teaching hybrids. Some of you are um, fully fully on. Um, here in Seattle, we are fully not. We are remote as all get out. Yes. But um, when you come back and when you, when you plan that next concert, My suggestion, our suggestion is do yourself a real favor, even if you consider yourself a tech whiz and hire yourself a sound engineer for your concerts. Seriously, it's like the best money you can spend um, getting a real pro. You've got a helper. You've got someone there to make sure you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's many of us out there, myself not included, that do feel like we can do it all ourselves. But man, there is just something so freeing about knowing that someone has those sliders under control Yep. Um, when I need to get up and wax poetic, which I do every time at a concert. Right. Um, um, and thus and so needs a solo on you know, CJ and blues. Uh, yes, but I am going to take it a step farther. I call a little bit of BS on this idea that even though we can do it, we should do it. Like just because you can 
mic your big band and run the whole thing by yourself. Isn't it good for your students to see that we pay professionals to do professional things? I think, I mean, as teachers, we know our kids aren't all gonna be professional musicians. Let's show them some other ways to be in, included in the industry. Also, I've always got a, got a kick whenever I would get a um, curious young kid wander down and ask a couple questions about what was happening. And mm -hmm. it was fun to every once in a while you get a little crowd and all of a sudden you'd find yourself with some helpers and you're like, this is pretty neat. And, and you feel like you might be showing a kid something. So there's, it was, I, it was, it was mostly a joy. You know, the part that was the challenge I'm sure you would attest to is the stressed out parents just dealing with oh them trying to get the seat, getting into their seat on the awkward bleacher. That was as hard as anything, but yeah, I, I was happy to, you know, speaking for, I guess, the uh, audio professional side of things, like, um, well, and as a music teacher and a musician myself, I, I know how much of uh, what you're doing the 90 minutes before a concert is as much human care as it is mu musical anything, like dealing with cummerbunds and mm -hmm. yeah uh, pizza domino's pizza deliveries and yep. or a girl who wore pop. shoes that are too tall for her to walk in and we got white socks <laughs> white socks perfect analogy <laughs> white socks exactly and You're so, so it was it was it was a pleasure for me just seeing how hard you worked knowing that i could help out by just saying look that slide projector audio cable ain't gonna cut it the answer is no, just get it out of here. I need, yeah. I need to use our stuff. The answer is just no, yeah. get it out of the way. And I, I, and every, every time I knew I was saving you a headache, I was, I was sure happy to do it because th that was not an easy environment. Just the, the loading in and the parents and the, everybody's got a question and mm -hmm. making, even the ones, the, there's so much, you know, parent teacher wanting to do the right thing and they're just asking to make sure that they're helping out and you're like man yeah. just stand there <laughs> yeah. It's a big gig. yeah it's a big gig and and hats off to everybody that works so hard I mean uh, when I was there um Ben Hunter was working there a lot yeah. too yep great with all the kids Adam Kessler was working with with yep. uh, mm -hmm. jazz band Michael Van Beber worked yep. there for a while too so it was great to work with folks that are, are you know like see every other day and then they're there at washington too hanging out with the kids so you know you're just walking around how can we forget aaron right like yeah you're just making your community bigger and and healthier and more vibrant the more people you bring in um it was always a pleasure i'd give the mic to aaron <laughs> way down he'd give it back i'd turn it right back up to the middle air <laughs> right on his mouth yeah he's starting oh like awl oh my gosh um <laughs> Wow, that is a blast from the past right there. Emphasis on blast. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh my goodness. So Nate, I mean, I guess like this connects to our last episode because our last episode we met with... Um, the, the director of the CMA Foundation. So she is um, heavily involved in um, supporting all aspects of the music industry, not just people who are performers or like the, the star you see on a stage, you know? It, right. takes, it takes a team of highly qualified pros to make what you see happen when Garth Brooks hits the stage, you know? And so we talked about um, what she as kind of a head honcho at the CMA wishes that a lot of students would be exposed to and have experiences with. Um, and she was mentioning that she really wishes that kids had more opportunities to explore viable careers like your career okay. so um so i actually would love it if you would tell kind of your story we know you're a musician we know you're a gigging musician and we know you're a professional sound engineer 
but how did you find those connections? How did you get into this, man? Because I'm just guessing here, you didn't learn it in school. <laughs> yeah, um, that would be a pretty accurate guess. Um, I, okay, um, so I got, I started playing music, like I mentioned, just signed up for middle school marching band. I started on trombone. Um, I grew up actually in Squim, Washington. So uh, it's not the biggest city in town and small music. Squim's like, uh, like if you hit the ferry right, like two hours from Seattle, two and a half. If, if eh, three, maybe. Yeah, no, if you hit the ferry right. Like it's a drive out there. I know Thanksgiving round trips, we're pretty sleepy by the time we get back. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, it's a little town and not not a big not a big city in the state. And um, really hardworking uh, band director there got me going on music. And uh, just um, being in Squim, there was a lot of retired people, so there was a lot of opportunities to play jazz. And that's <laughs> not, not, like, not, not to dance around it. Like I, I was able to put a little band together myself with one of my good buddies from high school. And we did a bunch of the weddings and the art fairs and stuff like that and had a really good time. Played just kind of like sped up big band charts and had a really good time doing it poorly. You know how it is. <laughs> it Very was, entrepreneurial of you. Well, you know, I, I say I wasn't much of a pro, was by no means a performance prodigy, but I was doing the whole bank account, buying charts, co writing contracts thing when I was 16. That's so, so dang cool, dude. Me a little ahead of the curve there. And that I remember was a lot of what got me into Cornish when I applied. Mm. It was, I was switching at that point from trombone to bass mm -hmm. and didn't really have any bass skills to speak of, but right. a lot of um, band leading experience actually. Mm -hmm. I, and I'd been doing some of my own arranging at that point too. So mm -hmm. it was kind of a, well, I remember uh, Laura Kaminsky, who was the department chair at the time, she kind of laughed at me and said, well, if you're already booking the gigs, that's the easy part. You might as well learn an instrument. We can totally show you that part. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a, of a backwards experience for me. Yeah. I was really uh, fortunate, I would say, to start at Cornish with Chuck Deardorff mm -hmm. from wow. scratch, because then there was no un bad habits to unlearn everything right. he said was just going straight to an empty sponge right and right. talk about a teacher that is going to get you going fast and right he really really did the trick and also some yeah. transferable skills you know already concert pitch bass clef yeah trombone slide is about as close to a um like a string instrument we both have that lick in our repertoire right <laughs> glissando that's, that's the money lick right right Fretless grass. Transferable <laughs> skills. Transferable skills. Yeah, so, yeah it, it was a it was just a good fit. And I I picked it up and got just kind of started working, started working right away. I was uh, at Cornish with Adam Kessler. Uh, we he was maybe a year behind me, and um, Josh Rawlings uh, was in the class with me. Um, Katrina Cope still plays around town all the time, you know, just yeah. Uh, overlapped with uh, Kareem, you know, so it's just, it was a great community to be in. And I'm really happy that um, that's kind of what I got my, where I got into the music seriously. Um, and then from there, it was just, well, now how am I going to pay my bills? <laughs> so uh, luckily I met Mike Dodge. I don't even, I can't remember how I met him. Well, I met him through a drummer named Tahoma Houtman who went to grade school with him. Okay. And, uh, just He just started playing with us at a, we were playing at the uh, district lounge was what it was called at the time in the university district. Right. Okay. And, um, that's how I met Mike. And it was just sort of a take everything that you can do to piece together a living. Yep. Uh, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's actually how I found my way into the musicians union was right. just kind of trying to figure out what was out there. Um, you play enough gigs, you take it on the chin. Everybody's watching this. Knows and uh, I just had a series of bad ones that happened to align with when the Musicians Union was calling some community meetings. And um, I got invited to them by one of the organizers and it was just a fit. And I just kept showing up and showing up and, and uh, several years later, it turned into a, a career. Which I wanna like really unpack, but I wanna put it on pause 
for just a moment because I want to mention to Beth, I don't think she knows this, but um, one thing we do at Jazz Ed is we have um, this like hire a band link on the website, uh -huh. um, which um, is, is like kind of a nice service. You know, there are people who want to hire students. They don't know how to go about it. I uh, am very interested in providing opportunities for kids, but also want to make sure there's like a responsible adult there, follow, like making sure there's a good downbeat and we got, we're calling tunes and, you know, like, you know, professional on the gig. Plus I want to be paying um, as many people as I can pay for these things. So I don't want to take gigs from working musicians is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, I always like to have the adult on the gig be a bass player, if at all possible. And Nate is my first call. That's so great. He's <laughs> played so many gigs with jazz ed kids. I love doing that. That was those that's turned into some of my favorite work of the year because so many times I'll realize this is your first gig without a teacher or a parent around, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. So it turns into like, well, then let me show you how to hit the buffet because that's what you really need to learn here. Let me give you some real on the job training. Like, this is how you cut to the front in the buffet. Just like, I got to I have my kids. Like, one oh, on the streets. Oh, I, love I love it. It's so but This one kid was just like looking at his ticket and looking at the line and looking at his ticket and looking at the line. I was like, just go, man. Just go. You're in the band. You you want. Stuff your face. We got you. We got you. Just have a good time. You're here. You're at a fancy hotel. Eat. Enjoy it. It'll be fun. Oh my gosh, that's so so great. I love it. It's so, so much great. Fun. And everybody sounds great. Everybody sounds great. It's so you much know? fun. Every I, it, there's gonna be form to the song. Nate's there. If yeah. it falls apart, now there's a bass solo. I mean, it works. But not everyone could cover that gig with, I mean, they're like trio gigs most of the time. They're like you and two kids, you know, not everyone is suited for that kind of work. I like, it's really, oh man, we've had some great ones. Um, yeah. That trumpet kid, Tyler. Yeah. And then the, uh, we had a little trio with just a drummer. And um, man, I will... I've held on to that one for that memory for a couple of years because we played Misty and he just slaughtered that thing, man. Yeah, and we cool. did that cadenza at the end and we were just playing this big event center. Everybody in the room just turned around and watched him finish this song out and just gave him like a round of applause. And you could have, this kid melted, you know? And I was right behind him, like just, I didn't know what to do myself, but it was like, oh, right. That's why we something something music, right? To be uh -huh. here when Tyler gets his first, like, or well deserved, like yeah, <laughs> real honest oh. goodness applause. Oh, it just just was that moment that you're like, oh right, this is why we're we passed this on because this is really cool. I love that so much. Oh, I just <laughs> had a nice feels on a Friday. <laughs> um, okay, I am gonna reach for my beverage of the day. I've got some uh, two fingers of Fernet here, and I forgot about it. And then that last sentence I said, feels on a Friday, had a lot of Fs in it. And then Fernet. I remembered my two fingers of Fernet. Look at that. There it is. On a Friday. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm a bad union member. I'm a bad one. Um, I, I've gotten better about my membership to all of the music organizations holy smokes there's a lot of them and a lot of dues and honestly i just can't friggin remember what i signed up for and didn't and what i paid for and what i didn't mm -hmm. you know like that's the honest to goodness truth if oh. i just had some sort of auto fill that my work paid for or something i would be a really good union member <laughs> well sometimes that does happen you know yeah. our industry mm -hmm. just we just have um just an in or informality to it I, I don't know how else to put it and yeah um a lot of what i've been really fortunate to find myself working on under the union umbrella is a lot of that formalization kind of stuff um yeah. I think that's thinking about what I would talk about on a, a streaming show about music teaching. Um, there's definitely 
a lot of overlap in how I, I guess I would describe it in like if you're the IRS, there is no difference in what we do. Mm -hmm. We're all self-employed. It doesn't matter if we're classical or jazz or heavy metal, whether we teach or whether we make t-shirts or whether we sell records or it doesn't matter. It's all self-employed income. And uh, there's, there's a lot of truths that are out there when you think about maybe what you're not instead of what you are. And I, I that's those kind of answers are the ones that I, I find intriguing when I'm working on, on workplace kind of stuff. Um, yeah. How's that for a starter? Pretty good. Huh. What, what can you tell us about, like, why, why ought music teachers make sure that their musicians union members, like, what, what do we need? Why do we need to do that? Well, I, I would preface this by saying, uh, COVID has definitely forced a lot of organizations to relook at a lot of programs. So if there's something that you would like to try, I would say it's worth a conversation with any professional organization that you might be a part of, whether it's a musician's union, whether it's some sort of trade affiliation. If you've got a suggestion or an idea, you might as well just run it up, run it up the flagpole a little bit and see what happens. Done in the musicians' union for music teachers to that extent is um, something we historically did more than we've done is contracting, um, and as a result of that, a lot of musicians' locals around the country have remnants or, or in a lot of cases, still fully functioning payroll services. Hmm. Now, what's interesting about the payroll service is in a lot of instances. Uh, that company is able to step in through uh, some affiliating channels. Sometimes there's some paperwork goes with it, um, but the long and the short of it is they can become the employee of record. And now all of a sudden, the work that you would traditionally be filing a 1099 for and getting a Schedule C, you would be now getting a W-2, which means that those hours could qualify towards a social safety net program like unemployment. Wow. In some states and in some cases, you could buy into a larger worker group's healthcare plan, for example. So like, you're saying this is primarily for like say private teachers. That would be a place to start. I mean a lot of I know yeah. a piece of a lot of musicians income is private teaching. Yes. In the situations that I've been in where I've worked long term with families, they've really, I would say the majority of them have really been in my corner. And yeah. and you go into their homes, you work with their kids, you know, it's on like a, a weekend or a Friday night and it's it's a very like um, it, it's a lot family time, it, you know what I mean? So you're, you're, you're kind of on the, the, the team when you're working with these, these young people. Um, and I would really encourage a freelance music teacher to consider working with a longer term employer, which is what they are, to work out something where you might take advantage of a program like a payroll service because that's what so great what you're really doing it's not just that you're applying for a social you can apply for a social safety net program but it's that when you if you earn income as a self-employed person you you should be filing quarterly right and if you don't there's a penalty to that so if you're paying all of your own employment taxes and paying some IRS penalties, you could be paying as much as 10, 12% more in federal taxes than someone that happens to be work doing the same, a similar job classification, but just happens to be doing it at a, a workshop, at a shop that gives you a W-2. So finding ways that a group like the Musicians Union can modernize some of those older projects, like or, um, older programs like payroll, uh, that's what we're really hoping to do as we go forward to work with music teachers and and that also gives us a lot more information and collaboration where then we can go to a group like the AFT and say this is a block this is a group of people not just the uh, uh, teachers that are employed by the district 
but as you know, the army of coaches and section leaders and music music technicians, sound technicians yep. that you need over the course of a year, that all of a sudden has an umbrella that it fits under in a different way. So the, we're, I, I'd, like, alliance, I'd like to right? say that that's stamped and ready to go. It's like I said, these are, these are where we're, we're pushing on things and this is where we'd like to see going and really what it's gonna take to see programs like this appear across the country and be useful are, engagement from professionals like like the ones that I know are, are, are watching us today to say, we know, we hear, we would love to explore uh, how some of these programs like a payroll service could impact what we're doing as teaching professionals. Yeah, well, it, it just, to me, it seems like um, kind of, it's kind of like the same thing as do yourself a favor and hire a sound engineer for your school concert, even if you fancy yourself like a pro with this stuff, or like you fancy yourself real good with electronics. Um, it's just like having that, as you said, safety net, having the um, professionally done paperwork, having the um, access to um, really having your taxes taken care of and those percentages do matter. Um, mm -hmm. All of that like is doing yourself a favor. You know what I mean? It's like that how, I don't know how much your dues are, but I'm just guessing, you know, that's $75 a month or whatever. It's uh, $200 a year. Okay. That's, I mean, that's heck, holy cow. I mean, so like I'm, I'm a card carrying hardcore member of the teachers union. And yes. yeah. when, when it's time to strike, you better damn well bet I'm there with my red t-shirt on and my picket sign, damn it. Um, but um, the service that they provide to me is well worth any money that I pay for dues on a monthly basis. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really, it's like peace of mind. And that, that like upper echelon of professionality that especially those of us who are really working on trying to build a studio or um, it, maybe we're teaching in the public schools part-time and private teaching or playing gigs on the side. Yeah. Just being as like legit, above board, legal, um, on top of your taxes as possible is just, it's just like doing, it's like giving yourself a hug. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's self-love, it really yeah. is. There's a piece that I found out not too, too long ago. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I had to learn it as late in the go as I did, but you know, I. Social Security is, is viewed through a 35-year window, and it's the highest 35 years that you earn. Uh, so if you didn't make any contributions in your, say, early 20s because you were, as I've been calling it, being a jazz pirate for half a decade, <laughs> I don't know who would have done that. I don't know anybody that did that. You a did, lot of did, jazz pirates. Whoa. You, you didn't do yourself any favors when you turned 62. So and that's when it starts mattering. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it prolongs how long your 35 year window needs to be if you don't start making contributions until you're 30. You know, right. it's extend it longer than somebody that's doing the exact same thing in just a slightly different scenario. And those are the kind of things, you know, when you talk about, I know everybody's looking at ways that we can solve social inequity. Mm -hmm. In our industry, in what we do, that's a stone we must turn over if we ultimately want to find equity. Because if all of the work that we do continues to get lost to the winds and we can't even get unemployment when there's a COVID, uh -huh. something's yeah. wrong. Something yeah. went wrong. Something and, went wrong. And we need sure. to, yeah. And we need to we need to be honest with ourselves about what we did that didn't account for what right. we hoped it would and look at what we need to do to change it. And I'm not, growth isn't easy, but I'm, there's a lot of people that are committed in the organization that I represent that would like to see a lot of change happen. And that will happen faster with just the more positive voices that are around 
yeah. around the projects. Right. That's the thing with membership to an organization is it's um, you're paying for peace of mind. Mm -hmm. You're paying for advocacy. Mm -hmm. You're paying for someone who's smarter than you to do something better than you would do it. Like if it has numbers involved, I should not be involved. I, I, I can't. I mean, you know, I can, everybody, I can everybody in the labor thing, everybody in the labor movement, there's a place for everybody. Cause right. I think the, the folks that know me well know I'm better at maybe throwing a rock and breaking some glass than necessarily sweeping it up and making people feel better about it. Right. <laughs> but there's a place for that. And, sure. and, and what we're trying to do is just make sure that we're not forcing anything, but where we can um, find a better way that's got more options for more people. Right. That, that's, what, that's what everybody wants. And, and right. um, you know, just to speak to the do's a little bit, um, <laughs> one way I've always thought of it, and this is, this is just my personal take on it, is uh, it's akin to the saying, put your money where your mouth is. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty mouthy sometimes. So what the do's give me is the specific leverage to say, here's the organization that's giving me credence to run my mouth right now. There's a board of directors, there's mm -hmm. uh, structure to the organization, there's other members paying dues who've also given me the thumbs up to run my mouth about this subject right. and they support that I'm doing it. And uh, that's really what it's about. It's, it's about being there in, in, a, in a more committed way, you know, like, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, when you subscribe to something, they count you differently than when you just buy something one time. Sure. Well, and you know by paying your dues that if you've got a problem with something, who, who are you going to call? Nate Omdahl. <laughs> there you go. Right? <laughs> well, it's just... Yeah. I, anytime I can help out, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And this goes for your union. And this goes for our organizations, our associations. And I am a firm believer that all of us should be members of NAFME. All of us should be members of the various other organizations and associations that are associated with our genre and our instrument style. Yeah. Um, for instance, I'm a member of the board of directors for the American String Teachers Association. Um, and that's the other thing is that once you get in and start doing things with the organizations and with the unions, you'll find that there are opportunities for you in leadership, opportunities for creating programs, opportunities for doing some real good. And if you have well, I mean, I don't want to say agenda, but if you have dreams, hopes and dreams, um, these are the organizations where you can take your ideas and people are going to band around you. And I think, Nate, you are a real example of someone who has done exactly that. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. I, I've, uh, my, that's been exactly my experience. Labor is completely, uh, there's a lot of resources throughout throughout labor and if you have an idea and and want to pitch it to a group you might find some money um yeah. there's definitely locally uh a few funds from the uh i don't i can't speak for other groups but i i can't imagine they'd be there's a lot of just little you know piles of money set aside to support creative yeah. endeavors just organizationally all over the city and labor is no different uh so please if, if you've got a uh, educational curriculum, those are always really good, you know, um, equity-based projects, mm -hmm. those always fit a lot of boxes for labor funding, um, or, or, or any, any general just help the cause kind of stuff, that, that's great, and um, yeah, don't hesitate to give our office a call with any questions or suggestions or ideas, and we'd be happy to try to pair a resource, I mean, if, if we can't ourselves take care of it, you know, it, we're not in any any things are, are not nothing's like it was 40 years ago union unions are no different and right. most of the unions you'll talk to across the country in most trades 
really, if you've got a question, they're just happy to answer it as mm -hmm. have you join, which everybody would like to see, but it's really, they're just trying to help people. Nate, I know you do advocacy work, not just in Seattle, like sometimes you're in Eastern Washington for meetings. What kinds of things, what kinds of things are going on out there that people who teach kids music should maybe know about? Oh, uh, in the atmosphere. Ooh, <laughs> man, we could kind of go in a couple different directions with that. Um, I suppose if anybody wasn't aware, uh, something that I worked on um, last year that I hoped would circulate more, uh, but it didn't really get a chance to because of COVID, like everything, um, but blackout dates are what we call not enforceable in Washington state now. Um, so if you are a music teacher anywhere and you happen to be working for a little private school and through perhaps no ill intent, they mentioned something about some radius clause about how they have, you're trying to maintain some sort of, you know, uh, territorial, you know, comfort or whatever you want to claim it. And they impose some sort of restriction on other employment you might seek. That is an un unenforceable term in your job description now, unless they're paying you some pretty hefty salaries, I would wager most music teachers are not going to be worrying about. Right. So, yeah, um, so just, you know, there's, it's, it, it's the same thing that protects a uh, hairstylist. We were hearing a lot of that when we did testimony that hairstylists were moving across, across counties, right? And really very few people are gonna cross a county for a haircut. Right. So it was kind of silly to say that a hairstylist couldn't get a job if their spouse got relocated uh, for a year or whatever the terms were, because uh, there's just no enforceability to the, you know, the jurisdiction there. It's like, you're just gonna get a haircut at the nearest reasonably priced professional or however, you know, whatever your criteria is, but you're definitely not gonna go from Seattle to, you know, Spokane for a haircut. So <laughs> having, having contractual terms that restrict employees from looking for work like that is not something that isn't enforceable in Washington state anymore. Okay. I that's very interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's on the books. So it's, it's a thing. Um, you can, it, all up in different policy that I had no idea was um, a thing, but it feels like you only get involved with it if it's a nuisance to people. Like, um, like for example, the loading zones in front of the triple door, things like this. I mean, most normal people wouldn't think about how important that is, but can you mm -hmm. speak to that? I just think it's a good example of like things that people can call their union about. Yeah, that that's a great example. Um, we we just it, it was pretty natural. I mean, um, we had just identified that particular site as an issue, and when we looked at it, um, unions because we have uh, you know staff that can make some phone calls and political connections, yada yada yada. We were able to get in touch with the Department of Transportation. We figured out really the triple door if I'm not mistaken, is there's actually no legal place to load in your gear by zoning in that block. Because one way, it's a bus one way, which you yep. can't stop. Yep. It's a commercial alley to the side, yep. which is where the problems really were. Right. And then it is that no, even the no enter zone going right. down um, third, right? Yeah. So that massive parking garage. And then Benaroya involved. Yeah, it really, there really wasn't a place you could actually set your car for ten minutes and take a whole drum set in and out. And right. and everybody was like, well, that's ridiculous. triple door. That needs to happen. Um, so we were able to kind of just look through. I mean, the, the Department of Transportation—they're the experts in it. But they said, well, there's no blockage to extending a courtesy at an already existing loading zone. 
So that's really all the loading zone project is. It's just basically an extended courtesy. But what it did was it gave a musician a place to stick their car in front of the triple door so they wouldn't get a ticket or the cops wouldn't get called. And that's really where the problems were. Right. So it, it's, was it an institutional solution? No, but did it get the cops less involved on a nightly basis? Yeah, and I'll take that every time, so. Yeah, and it made a lot, a lot more musicians happy about taking that Musiquarium gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, anything we can, it, I think my opinion, it's like, um, if you're talking about ways to make a musician's life better, it's probably gonna have to start with the little things and then we can work our way up the ladder. But right now, um, you know, when you're in the creative side, of, the really ultra creative side of the creative industries, there's sometimes it's not as resourced and right. it, it takes combining a couple of things to make a strategy that really works. Right, an impactful difference. So who, can you just outline what musicians and what members of the music industry your union does and can serve? Sure. Um, I think if you looked around the country, the most traditional model you'd see are um, symphonic work being represented. That's really, really common. So you Um, represent Seattle Symphony? We do not in this town. Um, They chose to go their own way many years before any of us were really on the job. So that's a conversation (laughs) that I would reserve for a different day. Um, But we represent like the Fifth Avenue and um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of regional orchestras, uh, other musical theaters, um, Tacoma Symphony, like Washington Symphony, Mm -hmm. um, Paramount actually is our our venue. Um, So if you were getting a job at a musical at the Fifth Avenue playing for Annie, um, you would be, uh, you would join the musicians local um, as a courtesy for the wage that you, they negotiated for you. That's sort of why you'll tend to see uh, musician union, mus- union membership come along with some of this employment. Mm-hmm. Right, I get There's it. a structure that protects that job so that it's there when they have a musical yeah. that doesn't call for your particular instrument. But right. when the next time around they do, your spot is reserved. And that's kind of what those dues go towards. Mm. It's like maternity leave in Europe. Your job is guaranteed when you come back. Yeah, that's, that'd be, a, uh, I think, a fair uh, analogy there. Um, so, so do you work with stagehands? Do you work with... Be, there's another group in town called IATSE. Uh, International Association of Theatrical Stagehands. I might be shorting a letter there, uh, but it's 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 the technical crews that you'll see in theaters and and show houses. They uh-huh. they represent everybody from uh, riggers and uh, sound engineers to camera operators at baseball stadiums and uh, on air news personalities. It's all no, that's SAG-AFTRA. It, radio personalities. If you're there's no camera involved. It's Ayatsi, I think. I don't know. I don't know. There's, <laughs> you know, there's there's a number of labor organizations depending on what your trade is and yeah. you're to certain aspects of entertainment, and um, we all kind of do more or less a similar job in making sure that the job that you have now is the job is going to be there for you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's important. Um. So. I hope my colleagues aren't screaming at me on the comments right now. <laughs> this is like super fascinating for me because, um, you know, I'm a I'm an orchestra director here in Seattle, um, teach at a high school, and um, we've recently had an opportunity to perform in a side by side with the symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that the symphony is a union operation. Um, but, and this is just like me, like just totally digging the situation here. Just like- Are you gonna put a quarter in it? I love it. it. it no, it's just, it's funny, man. Okay. It's funny. okay. Like, okay. So the symphony folks, I'm not allowed to set up their chairs or stands, right? They right. have 
a team of stagehands that do that. Right. And so those stagehands, Nate, you're saying are represented through the other organization. Yeah, the organization, that's correct. Okay. So, okay, so the symphony folks are unions and that means that there are many different things that are done on their behalf. Um, every day when they come to a rehearsal and or a performance, things are set up in a certain way. Right. And there are certain individuals who do that setup. It can't just be me, it can't be kid volunteers. It can't be, you know, so, so like one of the funniest situations that like, I'm like imagining I have a bunch of different possibilities starting to percolate. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just going to talk about it because this is like, okay, these guys are pro. I want to talk about the stage hands. All right. Okay. These guys are pro and the way they got pro must have been in like winger or something like that <laughs> on tour back in the 80s like like they were the crew for a hair metal band is that what you're saying totally man. Yes. yes yes and it's just like these dudes are so 100 percent of that era yes i love it <laughs> that i absolutely love it I mean, I'm picturing a couple of guys I know from that crew, and I'm like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, they're of that era. That's for sure. It's basically the on whole town of Reno has been employed to be the rigging crew. <laughs> I just think about like, you know, these guys must have like seriously, like, got their skills. Yes. Working for, like, GNR. I like. It would be an amazing Saturday Night Live sketch to have someone of the Will Ferrell type comedy being the person setting up the chairs and stands for a symphony. Yes. I think that could be really that funny. That could be a good, no, and as sometimes I know those guys can be sort of uh, easy punchline. Intense about a chair. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, you're right. The experience is very hard-earned. Very hard-earned. Very hard-earned. But I just think about these guys, man. And they are like, as I said, like I have the utmost of respect for them, for what they do. I yeah. trust them. Yeah. They got my back. When I'm doing a side-by-side -side with the symphony, they also take care That's of right. me. That's right. And um, it's just like, it adds this element of coolness yes i think to the symphony because dude i want some rockers taking care of me it's like the best collaborate it's hilarious it's a hilarious pairing of humans you know and it's like this brilliant it's this brilliant shift you know you're like okay i've been on tour with um you know slaughter for the last eight years doing the um well, let's face it, at this point, it might be the state fair circuit. The state um, fair, the casino route. Yeah, but, but you know, you're like, I'm getting up there in age. I'm in my 50s. I want to cycle out of right. the heavy metal world. I've had enough of the smoke machines. It's yeah, and I just want to, I want to cycle in right. to this symphony world <laughs> and like be able to rock my skills hardcore. Yes, dude. I thought I was imagining that you were going to tell a story much like the stories from when we would take kids to the Reno Jazz Festival and like a kid would accidentally step into off the carpet into the other carpet. Like there's just two pillars of carpet and now I'm in the adult and then all of a sudden we've got like this massive former football lineman like telling the kids that they're breaking That's the different. law. I thought I, you were going to tell a story like that of like no. a kid trying to move a chair and then- Oh, right. And then no, no, no. any intervention. No, it's just- Nothing like the art's bringing uh, two different communities together. Am I right? It's a friggin' beautiful thing. I'm not even kidding. 
I think it is. It's Those how, moments uh, when you see the kid just go like, oh, it's a big world, isn't it? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you might get run over by that rigor if you're not, head, yeah. head's not on his yeah. son. Like, well, you know, you know, Kelly, and then it, you know, reminds me of another story of when my students had a concert with a dude doing like aerial. Flip. I was just thinking about that. If you didn't say it, I was gonna. <laughs> The dude, the dude was doing aerial flips, playing the cello at the same time. Rashad Eggleston. We should have him on the show sometime. Rashad, yeah. Um, but we had to painting in a harness, yeah. doing like flips over the children. Wow. But he had yeah. a safe word. Yeah. Um, for the rigger who was on right. stage, you know, ready. Right. And we had to fly the rigger in from Denver in order for this to happen. And like, it was a huge ordeal. Like, obviously this dude is a pro. Yes. And like, you find these people <laughs> through the unions. Right. That's how you find someone to rig you with your cello. But Rashad also, um, remember he was doing like the kicks towards right. that kid's face. Yeah. <laughs> It was an epic. We'll get him for the show. Nate, you'll have to tune in because this guy, you're going to get a kick out of this guy. <laughs> and I actually, Nate, would like to see you in some rigging, flying over a big band with the cape. I actually think this is something we should consider. Oh, yeah. You, you could probably sign me up for that. I, I might. Even when you retire from the union, we'll have a big party for you. And that can be your entrance. You can come in with a cape. <laughs> I might have to wait for me to retire to do that. Okay, I'm on. <laughs> I'm on putting it to, on the to-do list. Let's put it on the to-do list. Putting it on the to-do list. Um, Nate, we only have three minutes left. Uh, we got a little excited talking about the fun. down people. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to speak to something quickly and that is um and i'm gonna riff on this concept of bringing different types of people together yes one of my favorite memories of you nate um and there's a through line i can i can picture this happening at every single washington middle school concert that you did the sound for but like you were allowed to be you. I was doing my job. Like everyone has their specific mm -hmm. role at these concerts. And so if a parent wants to come down and charge their phone on your rig, the answer <laughs> is like, go sit down in the bleachers. And anyway, I think it's important. It's a really good thing that we um, minimize as teachers is how important it is not only for your kids to see other jobs within the genre, but also that we're allowed to be ourselves in our jobs. I think it's really important. And it's a yes. Beth and Kelly show. Yes. But like being employed to run sound for Washington middle school concerts does not mean that you have to show up with the Washington middle school t-shirt on and like act like Beth and Kelly right I mean you're we're hiring you to be the professional that you are and to do your thing mm -hmm. and that's important for kids to see that there's an intake place for them yeah, there's absolutely. a spot for you you don't have to be this type of person Yes, this gig. It takes right. all kinds. I I was always very happy every time I knew you had my back when I chose to be slightly curt with a parent because it really mm -hmm. is not appropriate. And come on, yeah. dude, like you're in an auditorium full of people. You can't crawl over me and my mixing gear just to say hi to someone. Like get right. out of that. Like you're gonna blow this whole thing up. Literally blow it up. Right. And uh, yeah, I think it was really, I really appreciated having that support at, yeah. from my employer. And I appreciated, I, I knew 
yes, you wanted the concerts to sound good, but more than anything, you wanted me to just be a positive person for the young kids. Yeah. And if yeah. I was working hard and being willing to engage when somebody wandered up, that was that was uh, really the thing that was on that was necessary. So it was. I always. Um, I always appreciate the opportunity to be, uh, you know, not some gray old guy twisting the sound knobs, but you know, yeah. a younger brown person saying, "No, no, no! I actually do. I do some stuff like this besides this, and you can't do job." Yeah, this is the thing that I do, and it's not that hard. You just kind of got to get around it, and there's some people you can learn. And I'm sure, you know, you know some people like you know, go to your church or something like that. There's probably somebody you can talk to that does something similar, and you just start asking some questions. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's if I I've always felt like if I had at least done that over the course of a day, that's really what you were asking me to do. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Definitely. Totally awesome. And uh, I can't believe that an hour is over. I know. I it's so nice. chatting with you, Nate. People I like and care about. <laughs> I know. It's good to see you for sure. It's a very special episode 28. Lots of reminiscing. Yes. Nate is your dude. If you are a musician and you need things, join the union and ask. You need to join. Just call us. There's, we'll figure out a way to help you. Um, we, that's really what we want to do. So let us know what we can do. A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive monetarily and otherwise helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us and we are delighted you've decided to join.